Hello, I'm Brad. And I'm Jason. You are listening to Dice in My Mind. As we record this, um, we've had uh, in this in this time period, we had uh, 2022's uh, Disney D23, where they've talked yep. about all the Marvel and Star Wars and yep. New Willow and all sorts of stuff. A ton and of then stuff you came out, yeah. And then you had Star Trek Day. Yep, just days before. Hmm. And so, I and mean, the- literally, there has been if you're a sci-fi fantasy. Uh, you know what you're saying is that our brains oh yeah we're a little bit mid weekend right are are going to explode because of all of the teasers there are so right. many that i haven't even i i'm still catching up from star trek day with mm. the stuff for picard and then all of the stuff that's out I, that where they're talking about riker and lower decks and oh man you know so but that being said for kirk's sake catch up yeah, there we go. I, you know, one of the things that you we talk and somewhat joke about is just we haven't had time to play. And there no. are so many games. I keep books on my desk of the games that I want to play and that um, I've been reading about. We'll get to that in the GM corner. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the games we always talk about, we talk about D&D a lot. Yep. We talk about um, Modern Age and um you know even stuff from our friends at green ronin mm-hmm. um, but one of the games we we always talk about that inevitably comes up every week at a minimum even when we aren't recording i almost texted you today saying you know i really want to play yeah see <laughs> yeah. is is star trek adventures yep because we really want to play we want to play and they now that um they just had modcon first modcon yeah. yeah. No, I don't think it was the first one. Oh, I'm. Oh, I thought it was. I got it wrong. No, no, no. They. Oh, never mind. Maybe I'm wrong, but um. I retract I don't think that so. comment. The jury will yeah. ignore it. Well, well, let's make we. I might need to retract the retraction. Yeah. Either um, way, there was a modcon. There was a modcon. We're sure about that. And I know that we've we've kind of held back in talking about stuff because because um. Literally. We wanted. Yeah, we wanted to be sure. We wanted to be very respectful of that because it's it's. You know, it's IP that they're responsible for, but you know that they announced the Utopia Planitia. Yes, uh, the Star Trek Adventures Utopia Planitia Starfleet Sourcebook. Everything in there sounds beautiful. Yeah, and I think that folks will only be more. First of all, you ordered it before me. I so the pre yeah right. I pre-ordered it immediately. The PDF came available. Oh man, where are we talking now? Maybe three uh, in the past few weeks, right? Yep. Um, it's been a bit of a buzz in the past few weeks, and it is spectacular. But we've we've been sitting, like you said, we've we've been literally sitting on two full interviews, waiting for ModCon to pass so we could share the upcoming discussions. And we don't have to, you know. Uh, we obviously will introduce. Uh, Jim Johnson, who's joining us, project who's, manager. Who's that? Oh, yeah. oh, that's right. That's right. He is our, and that, that's the, the good. I'm glad you asked who's that because he is either our first three time guest. Right. Our first, or, or, or as he points out, our first four time guest. Four time guest because uh, our first episode, our last episode, our second one with him was a long one. So we joked and said, okay, we end up talking and it ends up, it's, it's an interview, but 
it's really a conversation that yeah. at some point Jason says, okay, we need to stop recording because it's going to be four hours. Well, well, at some point I have to go to bed. Yeah. Well, and last time, last time we were like, oh, we should have probably made this two episodes. I called it the Megazode. Right, right. And now this time we decided to make it two episodes. Mm-hmm. And if we hadn't of all together, all three of us decided, okay, we probably at some point need to stop. We could have had three. Right. We could have had we could have had right. a, a, a trilogy. Yeah. Um so we broke this megazode up into two. Yep. And because because Jim was, as always, so good about sharing his his work on the project, his thoughts behind the project, the creative impeti for the project. Um, and he'll just share. He just shares every time. Yeah, and he and you'll hear there's you'll hear him talk about the history of this book and how mm-hmm. this was the book that he's wanted to do and help and lead yeah. on for a yeah. long time i think it's his love letter to trek honestly that's what he, that's what i thought it was he, right yeah it, it it by no every book that comes out is phenomenal but this is the one if you hear him talk he wants he's been wanting to write and all of the contributors you can tell all of them oh are this was a labor of love and them including material and you hear me talk about the star trek online um, which I love. I, yeah, yeah I literally yeah. got giddy about it. So yeah, I, <laughs> I, got I got giddy about it. But so, so did Jim. Oh, I mean, yeah. he's a, he's a good friend of the podcast and he is a man. Does he do a service to Trek? But you know, Brad, like you said, I think that's a really important, really important codicil before we transition, because as, as we'll hear Across this week and next, so many of the people who worked on this source book are exceptional. And and like Jim said, he he goes out of his way to find the people who are the most knowledgeable and and write to that. But I will tell you, everybody out there in 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 podcast land, when the hardcover finally arrives at my mailbox, and it's going to be a while. And that's okay. Um, when the when the hardcover arrives, that's probably going to be the source book to end my job. Because yeah, uh, if you don't if yeah. you don't show up for a week or two, they get ornery about it. Well, and you've been a starship. I mean, you've collected starship books, and oh. I shouldn't even say collect. You get starship books and you pour over them. It's oh, yeah. not something that you. It's not a showpiece book. No, I don't. I don't collect books. anything. Right. No. Right. Like you said, this is lit, but yeah. but you know, RPGs is lit, as you've said repeatedly over the past weeks. But uh, but yeah, this is this is all starships. Actually, it's a you know what? We should really let Jim. Let's get there go. You're gonna hear over the next yeah, two there's episodes. There's so much detail here. Don't don't go into this thinking it's just a book about starships. Um, there's a it's, lot uh, of starships, but you're gonna hear so much more. Yep, and and because we haven't said it yet. Uh, there's massive world building potential out of this source book, but but not in the typical ways most of us are useful. And we're gonna get into it. Yeah. So we should uh, we should remind everybody who Jim is. I don't know how they wouldn't know, and uh, and drop in there. Jim Johnson is the author of the Pistols and Pyramids series, the Potomac Shadow series, and other prose fiction series currently under development. 
He has written sundry other pieces of fiction, including several stories published in the Star Trek universe, and has freelanced for pen and paper role-playing game companies, including Modiphius, Star Trek Adventures, Decipher, the Lord of the Rings RPG, and White Wolf, Mage the Ascension. Jim lives in historic Alexandria, Virginia, with his wife, toddler, and a pair of crazy cats. So, you know, we may as well start, um, well, I jokingly say that GM Corner now, because really the only thing that's going to be on GM Corner for me is um, a PDF file that I got uh, during a pre-order, a recent pre-order for some book that's apparently coming out that we'll talk with Jim about here in a minute. Uh, but Jim, thanks for joining us today. Again. Um, yeah, again. again. So this is this is three. You are now officially a, a co-host of the show because you've right. been you've been here a couple times, but yeah. um, lots mm-hmm. to talk about. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. No. And I won't. I won't list it off here. We'll let it come organically. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. let's start. Let's start because I think the 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 first thing we're going to have to talk about, no matter what, I think anything else we talk about is just going to fall by the wayside if we don't talk about um, the Utopia Planitia Starfleet Sourcebook mm-hmm. that you yeah, announced. Before we, before we jump into it, I just want to say yeah. thank you for having me on the show again. Um, oh, uh, I'm almost, I almost feel like Steve Martin on Stra- on uh, Saturday Night Live, right? They, <laughs> he, was, he was the frequent guest host, kept coming back, kept coming back. And uh, now I, I almost feel like uh, you know being the three time the, uh, is is it the first three timer that you've had so far. You you are, yeah, uh, and so. you know when you um when you come back for your fifth interview, <laughs> we'll send you the the smoking jacket. Well, it's the it's an orange and black smoking jacket. Yeah. the official colors. Oh. Okay, right. Right. so but we're gonna send you a, a red and black one. Don't read into that. Okay, I, I, I almost feel like it should be like one of Wesley's sweaters, right from TNG, like the, the multicolored oh. sweater. Like a, like multi like a, all oh. different rainbow colors and stuff or whatever you have either that or Jake Cisco's sweaters with well, all the multicolored stuff going on. You know, lower decks, Mike McMahon and his illustrators, they are nailing yeah. the nineties Star Trek sweaters. Yeah, they are. They it's really good. are. Mm-hmm. I have some I have some very embarrassing graduation pictures of some of those sweaters that I <laughs> my, wish my mother would burn. My, my my daughter saw a photo of me a couple months ago and they're like, what is that? And I'm like, it's a cardigan. And you could uh, almost see you could see the chill run down them. Oh, I thought they were going to say, well, what is that? And you're going to be like, well, that's hair. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Yet another reason why it's an audio podcast. Yeah, <laughs> <exactly>. <laughs> Face is made for radio. Yeah, right. oh my God. No, but seriously, this, uh, the, the Utopia Planitia Starfleet source book. Did I get that right? You did. I keep feeling, okay, good. I keep feeling like I do that backwards um i've been just referring it to referring to it at home and in my head ken as and i mean it the source book mm-hmm. i mean you guys have come up with some beautiful stuff before but but this is incredible i mean this has nerdgasm all over it this, no <laughs> well, that's now this, now you've made it an explicit podcast no, you put I, gasm but, at but the end i of something. mean like before <laughs> bef- before you logged on jim when when brad and i were just getting getting queued up and chatting we were talking about the original tech manual right and then of course there's the tng tech manual which is a wonderful thing it's it is i can think of no higher compliment that than you and your team have essentially created a new tech manual. I mean, it's incredible. And you've had, and, and you wrote a really awesome, in effect, blog about yeah. the history of you 
you know, of you and the team, you've been wanting to put something together like this for a while, right? Yeah. I mean, almost, almost, almost well, I mean, I, 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 it was a, it was a secret hope in the back of my head when I, when I first signed on to the, to the game line yeah. and, and started working with Modiphius as a writer working on the core book yeah. in the back of my head, I was like, okay, they've got a really cool game here. Cause you know, mm-hmm. I was involved in the play test a little bit and then got involved in the writing, writing mm-hmm. some writing on the core book. And uh, in the back of my mind, I was like, okay, if this game can grow some legs and if we can do a Starships book, I really want to be involved in that Starships book somehow as, as a writer or whatever. Like at the, at the time I was just a writer and then I got involved in doing some editing. But like, I mean, like I said in the blog, like I grew up on the Franz Joseph technical manual, the one with the black yeah. cover and the the, yep. the detailed line drawings of all the yes. classic original series ships. And mm-hmm. and then the extension of that, you know, into all the different classes that that Joseph came up with. Um, and then the, the you know, FASA and the Last Unicorn games and Decipher, all those different Starships books that came out. Um, especially the uh, the FASA um, uh, Starship Recognition Manuals, the, the little like they were like thirty two page booklets, well, I don't you know, paperback that. booklets. Yeah, and uh, I remember. I mean, I spent a lot of time. Uh, I mean, back in the day, I was working at Walden Books. Uh, you know, in the retail detail when I was yes. going to college, and uh, I would just I would grab those off the shelf and I go sit in the back eat my lunch on, on break, right? And I would just pour through those te- those uh, reference manuals because they were really you know technical manuals. Uh, and it's like, oh, these starships are so amazing. This is so great. And just, you know, it's sparking the imagination. Uh, and then I'd go stock books. And, of course, I was in charge of the science fiction and fantasy section, right? So I'd be, I'd be stocking the Star Trek novels yeah. and uh, and reading all that classic stuff, like, you know, Wanda McIntyre and uh, John Ford and all this classic uh, stuff from way back in the day. I mean, I, I know I'm dating myself, but we're all of an age here. So it's, it's yeah. uh, common ground. <laughs> I think, I think when you said Walden books, you pretty much set that yeah. out. Right. Yeah. In, in a mall. No, less in, a mall. in a mall. <laughs> right. That's how that I grew up going to Walden books in a mall. Yeah. After, after stopping at Babbage's. Babbage's. Oh yeah. We weren't a big enough town to have a Babbage's. Oh yeah. Okay. yeah. No. We had yeah. Spencer gifts and then uh, later we mm. had hot topic, but Spencer gifts was always the, they, oh, that yeah. was the dangerous store to go into, right? It was like, ooh, they had all the naughty stuff, and it was a, right. it, was, it was a treat to go in there if you could get away with it. Yeah, <laughs> yep, if you could yep, sneak, but, a, if you sneak away from your parents and get in there. <laughs> That's where I would buy the envelopes to then send letters to my friends just to get them in trouble. <laughs> Luckily, I never got that. <laughs> well, much like I wasn't really were, a friend. At I that was just we didn't know each other. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, okay, so because I mean, I, I we have a lot of like questions and, and and curiosities about the creation of this i mean you've 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 been on other interviews and there's been um there's been a lot of information coming out walking through this on 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 blogs and whatnot just just so fascinating of course we we have it i mean like like brad said to me when i ordered he's like you don't pre-order anything and i mean I was like watching, just waiting for this thing to come available mm-hmm. so I could pre-order it. I mean, there was no hesitation. But <laughs> but um a few things took a few notes because there's so much in the source book and just the source book itself, a few yeah. things stood out to me. And I wonder if you want to comment on any of them. Um, and I'm just gonna shoot them off and then wherever we go, we go. Okay. Um, I think the notion of the ship as a major character or as a character uh is beautiful and it's so clearly Star Trek. But it seems that throughout the source book, uh, you and your team reiterate that just to make it crystal clear to the reader, the GM, the player of, look, this isn't a backdrop. This is a fundamental element of the story, if you choose. And and and, and this thing can evolve. That's fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just want to mention quickly, because I didn't expect it, um, there are random tables throughout the source book to aid 
with not just Starship creation, but with GMing, which uh-huh. I thought was just a, I, 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 maybe that would have been obvious to me. I didn't see that coming. And I thought that was a lovely addition. Like those could have been gone and it wouldn't have mattered, but having them, them in there, it's like, oh, that's how I can do this. Make a ship, a character. I thought that was cool. And then I was really impressed that, um, that of course, cause it's you, even the source book ends with a set of mission briefs. <laughs> so, so right, but but that makes sense because I think this is going to be foreign for so many of us yeah. who've always dreamt about being on or playing with these ships, but really didn't have a lot of capacity source-wise, material-wise to put those into our games. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, I think it, 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 it just, to me, it's, it's such, uh, such wonderful geekery to read through, which I want to do closely and at the same time it it really seems geared for gms who just want to make a go of this right away yeah well you, you covered a lot of ground there um i yeah. think um yeah i mean my my uh, my team and i we totally geeked out all over this book as much as humanly possible and nice. uh, we uh like uh, uh aaron palea uh, gave me the initial outline for this i mean a few years ago when i was just starting to become the the project manager Actually, even before I was the project manager, but I had a lot of, you know, a lot of, I was I was pretty well in with uh, uh, Sam Webb at the time, and mm-hmm. um, it was like, you know, I could I could take the outline, and I was like, okay, I'd really love to do this book with you, Aaron, but I just don't know when we're going to be able to make it happen. Yeah. Uh, and then eventually, I became project manager, and then I found a way to get it on the schedule and, and make it work. Mm-hmm. But uh, like when I was working with Aaron on developing the outline, and then I invited the other writers in to to help with the outline too, and just you know start picking sections and start filling it out and uh, uh, we were like, oh, we're gonna just we're gonna go 100% full throttle geeking out on this, pulling in as many references as we could from you know canon, secondary canon, all the right. books, novels, comic books. I mean, just all the wealth of uh, resource material that's been out there for 56 years now. And uh, we just knew because starships are such a big deal for Star Trek, and there's such a huge fan base of fans that want starships. They want more space frames. I think that's probably one of the most common questions I've gotten. Uh, for the life of the game since I've been on, you know, monitoring social media is like, when are we going to get more space frames? Yeah. It's like, we gave you a ton in the command source book. And then we were finally able to bring even more in with the discovery source book. And uh, it still wasn't enough. Like we always, they always want more, 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 more space frames. Yeah. And so, you know, one of the main design uh, choices that we wanted to make, like, we, you know, we ran the Moscow uh, chart, you know, what must have, could have, you know, won't have whatever. And one of the must haves for this book was a uh, construction kit. But it was a full blown. Here's how to build your own space frame so that if we're not able to include the space frame that you know and love from beta canon or secondary canon or whatever, you can build it yourself. We were giving you all the tools you could possibly need to build it yourself. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I managed to fit 55 space frames in here. I wanted to fit more, but it was it was the best I could do with the page count that I had. And uh, I know we missed a few that just partly because we don't have the license to everything Star Trek yet. Uh, or, you know, I don't know when it will happen, but, uh, you know, mm-hmm. we we just don't have the license to Prodigy or Lower Decks or Strange right. Worlds. So by nature, we just can't include that stuff. Uh, we don't have the ability to in- include FASA ships, which I know was uh, sad for some folks. Uh, but you know what? With the construction kit that we built into it, you should be able to build literally anything that you've seen in a, in a comic book or a TV show or uh, video games. I mean, there's tons of great Star Trek video games over the long history of Star Trek. Um, so you should be able to build just about anything you want <laughs> in this game, except for maybe 32nd century stuff. We, 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 yeah. we just, I was getting too many, I had too many pages. I, just, I knew I had to cut somewhere. So, uh, you know, early on in the development of the book, I, I adjusted the, the scope. So it wasn't going to be everything Star, Starfleet from like the 20th century 
all the way out to the 32nd century. I decided to cut all the 32nd century stuff and just save that for a, for hopefully hopefully we'll get a chance to do a 32nd century discovery book. At which point we'll add in all that future that far future stuff, and then we'll have to probably rejigger the um, like the system points and the department points and stuff because yeah, right. it's so different. Like that technology is so different now. We uh, we hinted at it a little bit in the season three crew pack for discovery. Uh, Aaron wrote up a uh, wrote up the stats for the, the discovery um, a right and, and kind of like suggested how the technology might be different but uh, we, we didn't want to go there with this book we wanted to keep this one pretty much focused on the on the legacy series and then yeah. uh, and then picard of course because we had the opportunity to add some uh, uh star trek online ships yeah yeah i gotta say when i i was flipping through and i was well like brad said i was at the office between meetings i i it was my first chance to flip through i'm just you know one page per uh, on the screen at a time click 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 i see the 1701 f mm-hmm. have a moment of oh my god then realize what's going on like oh so soft cannon and then of course you know that was the rest of my time until the next meeting <laughs> well that brings up an interesting point because um you know was there any issue and obviously i don't want to ask anything i shouldn't now that we're recording but um was there any issue in looking at bringing in the online the, the sto stuff yeah. um in or nope no not at all okay. i i i had been working on uh developing a really good relationship with thomas maroney mm-hmm. the, the assistant art director over at star trek online and mm-hmm. he uh he was a huge help on the discovery book he helped us source a lot of the ship art in nice. discovery we pulled i mean a lot of that art the Klingon ships and the starfleet ships are right out of uh, star trek online right. uh, fortunately because they did that they did a you know discovery expansion and they had all those assets and uh, he he was able to find some stuff at the, at the very last minute including uh, like some of the other images like the, the dot the dot seven uh, picture that was in the discovery book he got us that like pretty much at the last minute which was a, wow. a huge time saver for us because it was like there was no other way we could have could have gotten it in um, but so, you know, he and I started talking somewhere during the development of the discovery book. Hey, wouldn't it be cool? Cause I told him we're doing a starship books next. And he really wanted to get involved in that, you know, for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. And I was like, if there's some way we could get some STO ships in here without, you know, Paramount having a fit, you think, you think we can do it. Right. And, right. uh, you know, in talking to our contacts at Paramount, like they are always super excited when licensees collaborate and, and cross-pollinate mm-hmm. okay. and and they're really really excited when when licensees do it without them prompting us to do it like they they, yeah. they, they they'll come out and say oh you know you know Modifius, you should be working with sto or you should be working with star trek timelines just to try to get some cross-pollination going but it's such a lift for them when we say oh we're already talking to the people of star trek timelines and we're already talking to the people of star trek online is it okay if we do this and they're and they never push back on us on on, on any of it you know, so we, uh, I told Thomas, look, I think, I think we've got room for six STO ships, you know, in addition to everything else that we're doing, pick your favorite or, you know, pick the best six or pick the six that your fans are going to respond to the most. Let's write them up, get them in. Yeah. And, uh, and he picked, he picked the six that we, he thought would work. And, uh, I think we got super lucky on the timing because right about that time we were developing the book, um, uh, Picard season two came out. And and I had no I had literally no idea. I think Thomas knew, but I had no idea that they were going to put a bunch of the STO ships into the first episode yeah. of Picard. So now they're canon, right? Now they're actually on screen. They're canon. They're real. They're live. Yeah. And uh, they got the the high res, high quality, uh, you know, uh, renders on on screen. And then of course there was more of them in the uh, in the finale of uh, season two Picard. And mm-hmm. so we just got lucky by putting those STO ships in. And not only are they STO ships, but now they're canon. 
And that's kind of cool. That's it's kind of cool that it, it, the timing just worked out. Yeah. You know, totally not planned. That's just a happy, uh, you know, happy coincidence, happy circumstances. And uh, I will absolutely ride those coattails for as long as I possibly can <laughs> because it made our book that much better. It, I mean, instantly because we can get this book out shortly after Picard season two. You know, I mean, I guess it's six months or whatever. But still, you know, that that just shows that we can we can we can adapt fairly quickly and take advantage of the opportunities that are put in front of us. And, and put out a better product because I mean, I think it would have been a good product without the SEO ships, yeah. but adding the SEO ships slash, you know, Canon ships. Now we we've opened ourselves up to a whole new fan base that yes. may have been kind of peripherally interested in Star yeah. Trek adventures, or maybe mm-hmm. there might be a little bit of crossover between SEO players and SCA players. Uh, but now there's like, there's just a whole different connection to Star Trek adventures because they can actually see their ships that they love to play online actually in the game now and it just it just it changed the conversation a little bit and uh that was really cool i i watched the forum still for it, even though i haven't played in a while and mm-hmm. and it was a noticeable change when people started talking about it yeah i mean because you know a lot of in some ways sometimes sto doesn't always get the the kudos it deserves for just mm-hmm. the kind of product it is right and to see that that cross-pollination um when i i first mm-hmm. looked i looked and saw the f and i'm like you know, I had to pause and take a look and then I had to go and look at some of the documentation stuff that I tracked. And so to see, to see that I even even had a chance to message you about it. Mm-hmm. So, um, and so, yeah, between discovery and this, that's just awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing that really, I mean, just kind of floored me about the source book is, well, okay. I got, wait, uh, let me back up for a sec. I love the fact that you included shuttlecraft and all and other small like I've I've I have a thing for runabouts, right? I just think they're this cool ship. Love the shuttlecraft. Did not expect toward the end to find those space frames because they're such an underutilized storytelling device, right? TNG I think actually did pretty well using shuttlecraft as 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 at least as a as an environment to tell stories. I mean, some of the best episodes um, took place there, but then they're there i thought that you know you you go through all these huge ships and it's like you know here's the yosemite and it's or whatever and it's just like that that's so cool jim but the 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 other element in the source book that to me really stands out and it doesn't have to be there that's the thing it doesn't have to be there to make this a good source book you get into essentially deeply a day in the life of starfleet Mm. That blows my mind. I mean, like, that's the stuff. Like, when I'm reading the Game Master's Guide and the Player's Guide and all, I mean, like, like those are some of my favorite sections where it, like, gets into what does it mean to be in Starfleet and what's the history of it? I think we've talked about this before. But then in the in the, in the the Utopia Planitia source book, to then get into that, um, well, here, it's, it's, let me just quote you. It's it's only a sentence, okay? <laughs> this blows my mind because you know, I don't want to violate any copyright here since, so I'm not using oh, it. You're you right. know. Yeah, well, I mean, trust me. Thanks. We're totally nonprofit to put it mildly, but still, <laughs> um, um, this is <laughs> this is right in the intro, okay? So this this sentence, though, to me encapsulates it. And I quote, you and your crew are members of a fellowship of highly talented and curious beings dedicated to working together to expand their knowledge for the betterment of all, to seek out new life, new civilizations, and to have a little fun along the way. That's just such good writing and such good Trek thinking. And it's like, then you got the ships, but then you have, this is what it means to be in Starfleet on a daily basis. It's so 
immersive. I mean it. This is another tech manual. It's mm -hmm. it's just amazing. Yeah, yeah. So um, you mentioned it a couple of times just in talking here. Um, I really appreciate the feedback that we were able to surprise you with some of the content. Like oh, you yeah. were expecting a Starships book, obviously, but the fact that you found other content in it that was related to Starships, mm -hmm. but that you weren't expecting to see in the book, that's that's uh, that's that's manna to my ears, right? That's that's like I that's mission accomplished. I, I did it. I did what I intended to do. And what my writers and I intended to do is surprise you a little bit. I, we tried to do it in the Shackleton book while, mm -hmm. by presenting you know, a full-blown campaign, but also adding in a few other things that you might not expect to see, like the whole uh, sector construction thing at the end where you have random tables and you're creating your sector and your planets as you go. So you can kind of like create your own version of the Shackleton Expanse, right. uh, plus some of the, the spatial anomalies that we dropped in there that you wouldn't expect to be in a traditional like you know campaign book, but we, we just tried to add more stuff, uh, you know, plus the original species. Um, so in this book, like definitely, I really wanted to try to surprise readers to say like, they're going to look at the cover. They're going to be thinking Starship book. They're going to be expecting space frames. They're going to be expecting, you know, probably some new rules some talents some combat stuff, whatever. But what if we, what if we just add a little bit more stuff that they maybe aren't expecting? And then of course my writers, you know, added more stuff to the outline and they're like, Hey, let's do this. Let's do this. And initially a couple of the things like the, the salvage and retrieval chapter and the uh, jury rigging roles, that kind of stuff. I was like, hey, does that really fit? And then the more I read their 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 drafts, I was like, "Oh, this totally fits because it's 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 going to surprise readers because they're not going to expect it in here." But once you read it, you're going to realize, "Oh, it totally fits the aesthetic of Star Trek Adventures." Because what we're really trying to do with this game is um, like literally throw as many tools as we possibly can at the game master and the players and say, "Look, you are playing a role playing game, and and by playing a role playing, especially a story driven role playing game that is full of drama and cinematic, you know, action and and whatnot." is is that your characters need to know like you're well you, they don't need to know but your characters know this stuff even if you might not right so you know you you right. an average you know you know player on earth may not know everything about starfleet but your character does and, and so like the more nuggets of the more tools we can throw into these books to help you get that kind of um uh that well, I, I can't pronounce it man for the life of me the verisimilitude yeah verisimilitude yeah to get the feel of the setting yes you see every every week on, on on the show like if you can get those little details and if you can cherry pick like little little phrases or sentences out of the book and drop them into your game then that's that's everything that we want because we want you to really truly feel like you're playing a starfleet character at the table you know yeah. going through the the drop you know and playing your own star trek episodes uh, so I, I'm just grateful to hear that you were, uh, you know, surprised at some of the content. Yeah, really was because um, it was really intentional that we do something like that and and really drive home. Here's what here's the mindset you need to be in, or you, that you should be thinking about at least if you're playing Starfleet characters. Um, you are working together. You're a team. You're 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 not here to earn a paycheck. You're not here to, you know, you know, punch a clock or punch a, a time card. You know, if you want to go back back in time yeah. a little bit for those of yeah. us who. We had time cards that we had to punch <laughs> in a clock. Um, you know, you're you're there to learn and to grow and to and to you know build the storehouse of uh, knowledge, the Federation's knowledge base. And you know, and, you know, in the in the great tra tradition of Pike, you know, have a little bit of fun along the way. I love yes. that quote, quote from Pike in season two of Discovery. Just you know, we're gonna have a little fun along the way. And it's like, oh yeah, that's that's Star Trek. That's that's mm -hmm. uh, you know, that's that's original classic uh, Kirk era stuff. You know, we're we're going to go explore strange new worlds, but we're also going to get into fisticuffs with Klingons along the way. Mm -hmm. And we're going to get goofy with the tribbles on your head and all that stuff. So uh, yeah, yeah. Try, try and hit all the bases here, really. That's so cool. 
I'm I'm curious. So to to maybe back away for a little bit from the content of the source sure. book. I have a feeling we're gonna drift back right between <laughs> Brad and me. But there's so much content, right? There's <laughs> oh my god. Well, and and there's so much content. Um yeah. uh, I've actually had to close the PDF while we're <laughs> while we're doing this right now. Oh yeah, it can't be done. I, 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 no, no, I just uh, by chance I had I had paged to the to the to DS9 Terak Nor. And oh, I'm like, see, okay. You've got okay, back to content. You've got yeah. star bases. Yeah. Yeah, it's, that it's surprise. Like, that was that was see? a very pleasant surprise when I saw the star bases. Cause I'm like, that is, I mean, because we've talked about this in terms of, I mean, even you put in a rendition, you updated it from Shackleton yeah. in the book. Yep. So um you I, know, it, yeah. You've given you've given us the ability now to have to have official I don't even know how to say it, but it, I think you know, the term you're up, looking for is a failed marriage. I have no idea what that meant, but no, well, because we're going to spend meant. all of our time with. The oh Sarasota. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good yeah. point. Yes. Okay. Then in that case, yes. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. We, I mean, we were totally intentional. Like I knew like if, if we were going to add all these starships, I was like, Aaron, you know, we're going to, we're going to give everybody the construction kit on how to build space frames. We've got to give them rules to build their own small craft and to build their own base stations too. Like we got to, we got to do the, if we're going to do it, let's do it 100%, uh, you know, let's, let's do the whole, the whole smash and not just, you know, just space frames. Let's do small craft and, and stars, uh, you know, space stations. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, you know, fortunately the rules really aren't that different from building one to the other. And I was like, I know we, we totally yeah. got to have them in here. Uh, yeah. So now, you know, hopefully players and game masters can look at literally any space station, any small craft, any space frame that they see on television or uh, in a movie or whatever, and right. they can build it. They can build it with all the stuff that's in this book. And uh, I, I did want to make one point. I, I forgot, and then you just reminded me, Jason, uh, when you were talking about, oh, it's how how what a surprise it was that we had um, small craft in here, yeah. and I like I, I really wanted small craft in here, and not mm -hmm. so much from a mechanical point of view, yeah. but and, and you touched on this, it's because of the story. There's so much story potential in those little those little small craft, and you see it all the time on the series. Like how many times does a space a, a, a shuttle crash on a planet, and they've got to deal with whatever's happening on the planet, or they deal with each other. Like my favorite, probably my favorite original series episode is the Galileo Seven, when uh, when uh, um, Spock and Scotty and McCoy and uh, and the other four four red shirts all, all crash on the planet in the Galileo uh, a shuttle, and they have to figure out how to fix it and how to get off the planet. It's like that is such a great thing because what it is essentially is is a bunch of people in a room, right? And you get drama, and, and yeah. it's, it's it's like duet, right? You get Kira and and the guy playing Maritza in a room. And like, it, it could be boring, like with the wrong actors, it could be super, super boring to have two people in a room, you know, talking at each other. But when you, when you get it right, it's such, such good drama. And there have been so many good to great Star Trek episodes all across the franchise of, of shuttles crashing or shuttles getting abandoned or people getting stuck in shuttlecraft and then having to do the drama and the great character relationships and interactions. Mm -hmm. uh, like I, I can think of, uh, there, there was an Enterprise episode with a uh, trip and, uh, and read uh, stuck in a shuttle. Oh, yes. Uh, yes. I don't remember the title offhand. Mm -hmm. And they were freezing to death. And it's like, that's great character stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I love to put into my my game sessions as a game master um, because it just it builds character and it gives player characters a chance to get to know their characters better as well as to get to know each other. Mm -hmm. um, and you don't even have to roll any dice. You're just experiencing right. the drama right. of going back and forth. And like, and that's, I mean, it gets into the whole like improv drama theater of, yeah. of the mind right. that RPGs are so good at. And that I've discovered that Star Trek RPGs are really, really, really good at. Um, 
So that's why that, that was my personal, you know, desire to get the that's really shuttlecraft cool. in here, just because I wanted to give players and game masters the opportunity to like build a cool little space, you know, build a cool runabout or shuttle or whatever. And then, mm-hmm. you know, and then the unspoken, because I don't think I, I don't think we wrote it in here really, but the like if you read between the lines, it's like, and then get your players stuck in that shut in that ship. <laughs> And then crash it somewhere and see what kind of drama comes out of it, right? That's mm-hmm. the, that's the intention. Is like take these tools and then go do cool stuff with it. I think um, I think lower decks uses shuttles really effectively for storytelling. If you think about it, they uh, there's not a lot of beaming, right? Beaming mm-hmm. is is basically for them just bringing characters on and off of stage, if you will, uh-huh. but. But there's a ton, I mean, there's a ton of scenes, including the start of season three, where there's just people are moving around to have character moments on shuttlecraft. And it's really, really well done. As a side note, I will say, I felt this way since I was in high school. That's a sad revelation, but but true. Um, Star Trek, much if not most of what we see probably has the potential to be real sometime in the future other than transporters mm-hmm. right and like if i were gm and i was thinking about this as i was flipping through the source book i was thinking you know if i were to gm sta i would find a way to basically disallow or disincentivize transporters <laughs> i would i would because uh-huh. it would be i just think it would be so much more interesting storytelling having to you know physically transport having that that interaction yeah. yeah, I mean, the drama, you know, my one of my favorite DSI episodes was Hippocratic Oath when O'Brien and Bashir crash landed. Yeah. And, um, you know, Bashir was trying to help the Jem'Hadar um, you know, with their addiction to Ketracel White. And O'Brien, in effect, killed that off. So and that was a shuttle crash landing. But that was a re- that was an episode that was a hard hitting ethical episode. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. whether there's comedy, drama or whatever, that's like you said, that's a vehicle. And I think, Jason, you might have even mentioned, I don't know if it was you or me, but like, you know, now that there's shuttlecraft in there and we can play with it, that actually makes it more interesting to build some, you know, in effect, custom yep. games for us to play. Yeah. Not that the ships wouldn't, yeah. but it just, well, like you said, it's it it brings it smaller. I mean, look at the Delta Flyer from Voyager after which you named your car, right? And um, your car is named? The Runabout. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I love uh, it. You know, the best part is my wife the other day referred to her as the runabout. I nice. I can't I, I was like, all right. I, careful, I, careful. Can't we tell you how exp- happy. You don't want the explicit it. flag, just move on. Uh no, I was just um I'm like, you good wow. <laughs> you just you just have that yes moment of uh of, of making it work, right? <laughs> See, my I, wife won't refer to my car as the Delta Flyer. She'll refer to me as nerd, but yeah, not yeah, the I car. Know. Yeah. So, yeah. Step by step. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, um, walking away from the content of the source book for just a few minutes, um, I'm curious, uh, because you know, Brad and I are always curious about this stuff. But in terms of the creative process, we've talked about like your thoughts in the past in terms of how you've created and how you've guided the previous source book. So, so Mm -hmm. I mean, that's that. uh, You know, not a lot of surprises here, but just just so the sheer amount of content in the the Utopia Panitia source book and the depth of that content. Um and sorry it's I I, I want to make sure I'm I'm being clear here so it's a little lengthy. So like when I look at the starships but um honestly Jim when I look at the 
the depth of description of a life on ship, uh, the depth of description of what it means to be in Starfleet, the depth of description, um, the the, I mean this as a high compliment. It was like I was reading in parts a Star Wars Edge of the Empire list of weaponry. Like for the next 500 pages, we're going to step the heck out of this, right? But you guys went and like, whether it's the the different types of elements you might mine. I mean, even I think that's dorky, but I'm totally read it, right? Um, but the, the, the depth, like, honestly, I saw the list of all of the different things you could mine or resources you could extract. And the first thing in my mind was finally. I've got a comprehensive list so I can look at these episodes, but the weapons, the, the resources, um, the technology, right. The, the FTL technology, things like that. Okay. There's a, there's just a ton of stuff here. And I'm just really curious that again, no, uh, not to cross any NDAs. Cause I think I kind of know where this is going to go, but maybe I'll, maybe I'm wrong. I mean, how do you get there, Jim? Like, do you actually have access you or any of the writers to, people at paramount or or does this just come out of your combined passion and familiarity like you said with so much of the canon and soft canon um so i mean we certainly have access to people just because we know people on social media and and yeah, if right. i really desperately got into a bind i could probably reach out to paramount and say look i really need help with this thing yeah. can you can you give me a touch with somebody um but uh for the most part i'd say like 99.999 percent of the time it's it's me reaching out to the writers that know their stuff and uh like i mean aaron palaya is the is the starships guy for star trek adventures he's he's also a, a, got the scientific and technological background so like a lot of the stuff in here that you read about the uh, ftl drives the different types of ftls yeah. um, a lot of the science stuff that's in the shackleton book um all, almost all the starship write-ups that's all him and he's been he's a lifelong star trek fan he's been doing this kind of stuff since he was a kid you know sketching out the starships coming up with uh you know oh i saw that on the tv how does that why does it work that way why does why do the bustard bustard collectors work the way they do how do they mm -hmm. integrate with the matter antimatter reaction how do they collect the hydrogen all this stuff mm -hmm. and uh, like he like you know i'm sure all three of us have absorbed and digested all the technical manuals, the, the next gen tech manual, the, jo the Joseph manual, the Joseph manual, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And like this stuff, like over time just gets embedded in your brain. And Aaron's advantage is that he's got the scientific background too, because he's a, I think he's a professor. Um, I'm not sure exactly what his job is, but he works at a university. He's got the science day in and day out. He's got the science, he's got the technology, he's got the astronomy. And, um, and, and then when you couple that with Star Trek, and he's a good writer and he's a fast writer. It's like, I can say, okay, Aaron, I need, I need a thousand words on, you know, FTL drives, theoretical FTL drives, plus the FTL drives that we've seen in Star Trek. And he's like, okay. And then boom, he's off running, writing it. And, uh, you know, I'll do a copy edit on it. And it's, 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 it's solid. It's right on. It's, it's, it's either real science or it's plausible Star Trek science with just enough techno babble sprinkled into it to make it sound really good. Um, so really, in long-winded answer to your question, Jason, no, is it's no. really um, it's really picking the right writers who know their stuff, and if they don't know their stuff, they go out and learn it on their own. They just take, they take the initial because they have the passion yeah. to make this book as good as it can be. Like like uh, um, Al Spader is a good example. Al Spader, I, I uh, asked him to like compile all the talents and all the weapons and stuff 
that we have scattered all across all the different books and bring it all together so that we can put everything into this book in one handy place for reference so that a game master or a player, you know, whether they're playing the game or they're building a starship, they don't have to have a stack of books at their table trying to go through and finding the one gem, right? Like that's the one thing I get frustrated about with the other games that have a lot of books, right? It's like, oh, I want to build an encounter for my group and I've got, you know, 20 different stacks of books and I've got to figure out, you know, if I don't have an online database or something, I've got to go find all the different references and all these books. So I was like, let's let's put everything into this one book. And I, I so I told that to um, Al and Al also knew that we were going to be putting Star Trek online ships in here. So he took it upon himself to kind of like become a subject matter expert on STO. So he did a deep dive into STO and to look into like all the websites and all the wikis that are out there. And he found all the stats for the ships that are in the video game. And he, he looked at those and he said, okay, now how can we translate these weapons and talents and special abilities yeah. okay. into Star Trek Adventures? And so like when he delivered his draft, I was like, oh, I wasn't expecting all these new talents and weapons and stuff. What did you do? And he's yeah. like, well, since we're adding Star Trek Online and we're extending the timeline out to 2410, I thought it made sense to add more of this technology in here. And uh, I had Nathan uh, Dowdell, you know, just kind of give it a, a look because, of course, he's a system designer. He knows the system better than anybody on the planet. And uh, he was gracious enough at this time that he he gave the the mechanics drafts um, a glance over. And he made a couple of tweaks here and there just to, to make sure that they fit with the overall mm-hmm. you know, vision of the game. And um, so what Al did then, of course, is, is he made himself a SME on, on STO and weapons. He, he took it upon himself to learn that stuff. And then just added, you know, contributed the word count to it. And uh, that that you can't really quantify. Like you can't find, yeah. you can't put that on a on a job description and say, right. you know, hey, I'm looking for writers for Star Trek Adventures. Can you do this? Right. I mean, that's just right. the people that you get. And I got I, I so I'm, I'm lucky. I have, a, I have a really deep uh, group of uh, writers who really know their Star Trek and really know their stuff. And uh, I'm always looking for more, of course. I mean, I, I've mentioned that several times already. Um, but again, long-winded answer to your question is Not that I just I, I I trust the writers, and you know I've got a good sense for who's going to be a good writer and who's going to like really not get the job done. And uh, I, you know, I've I've been wrong a couple of times. I'll be the first to admit that. Um, but most for the most part, like the ones that deliver, like it's the, it's good stuff. And when they deliver good stuff, and I know it's good stuff, and they're happy working with me, <laughs> I'll keep going back to them and say, look, you did oh, yeah. great work in this book. I want more. I want more. I want more. And, uh, and and you see the proof is in the in the in the draft itself, right? I mean, they make it easy for me because I don't have to keep going back to them and saying, "Oh, I think you need more more content here, more content here." Like, I mean, most of the time, I'm I'm having to cut stuff, and there's just like all the great content that's in the book. There's probably just as great content scattered on the floor that I've had to cut away because we didn't have the room for it all. Are there are there? Uh, no, I was just going to say that content could still be in use at some point in the future. I suspect that that is true. Yeah, okay. there's there's some content that we've cut from a couple of books that I was like, oh, I really like this content. You know, I'm certainly going to pay you for the time that you put into it, but we got to save it for another book. I think one one good example is the Shackleton book. Um, I had uh, I had John Kennedy write. I think thirty. I think he wrote thirty different creatures or beasts or whatever. You know, just like interesting NPCs and wow. interesting NPC monsters that we could encounter. Uh, in the Shackleton Expanse, and then that book just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And by the time I hit the 300-page count, I was like, you know what? I got to cut some. I got. I got to cut some stuff. So uh, I think I went with the the best eight um, that he Jeez. had, and uh, I just decided that I'd hold on to the other ones because you know it's 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 in our wheelhouse. And if I can find a book to fit it, fit him in somewhere, I certainly will. 
Uh, but for now, it's content like that that's like, oh, we can't fit it in this book. Well, we'll save it for you know something down the road. Not to and and again, no. I only bring it up because the subject is similar. There's no correlation or any yeah. inside info. But I want to make sure we also cover because we haven't talked to you since Discovery came out. The Discovery Source book came out. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. and some of the new material that you put out online, um, mission briefs and some of yeah. that information as well. Mm-hmm. So just point of you know point of note that I want to make sure we We're cover it back. once we yep. yeah that we come back to mm-hmm. it. So. But yeah, I, I, I don't even know where to go with it at this point, just because I'm excited <laughs> for what is the what is the end? And we all know because we've talked about this before with supply issues and all that. But when are you thinking or when is officially what they're saying or what you're saying is going to be the the release date for the book itself? Subject the, to change for yeah. the print book. I, I think yeah. we're uh, we're looking at. um well, gosh, it's almost September, isn't it? Uh, I, at least, at least as of re- as this recording, it's almost September. Yep. But by the yep. time this comes out, it'll be mid-September. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the UK will. I mean, of course, the UK is always going to get the books first because they go from Europe to to the UK, and then from the UK they get on a boat to America. Um, I think you know, knock on wood, realistically, I think the UK will probably get their books in October. Wow, ish. Yeah, wow. Yeah, depending on how the printer's going, like I know this time right. of year they get a little a little busy with uh, everybody trying to push out for the holidays. Right. Um, but all things being equal, of course, you know, with COVID and the global supply chain and all that BS that we're dealing with, still, um, I, I think optimistically we would have the books in the UK in October ish, and then um, however long it takes to get them from the UK to America, like it's been it's been trending eight to twelve weeks. So I, I unfortunately I have a feeling that the books won't hit America until probably the new year. Um, but that's me being pessimistic. Like, you know, things okay. could change and, you know, we might get lucky and get a, get a, a you know, a, a tailwind from <laughs> UK to America. I don't know. Um, so I don't want to give anybody false hopes, but just being realistic, I think it's probably going to be October for UK. And of course, anybody who pre-ordered it from the UK website will get it shipped, um, you know, right away. And then America will probably, it'll probably be either right around the holidays or probably just around the new year. So the irony is I planned this poorly because we're going to be in London over winter break. Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I mean, you could always talk to Modifius and they could probably cancel your order. No, it's go to a local game store in London and go pick it up. I, well, I can still do that, but I, you know, you know, it's, it just means I'm going to, it means I need to stop trying to avoid the PDF. Oh yeah, and just sit down because I thought, okay, October. I, I I'm a patient person. I can wait a couple months, but mm-hmm. if we're talking more like the turn of the year, um, no way am I waiting for multiple <laughs> months to read this cover to cover. Sure, um, sure. no way. Yeah, and I, I wish it was. I wish it was faster, but I mean, oh, that's just well, that's just the reality of. Uh, of, yeah, of the supply yeah. chain right now absolutely you and the team have given us the pdf so if you've pre-ordered yeah. yep. you have the content yep. you can use the content already right um you know all of us want to print material of course i have my little i won't move the camera but yeah. my little star little. trek shelf right here yeah. i don't know i've moved the star trek stuff from the big shelf over to oh. the little books up uh, desk right. side thing. that's the but the um, so i will space, i want right. i want the book mm-hmm. there but mm-hmm. you know being able to read it now um, you know, yeah. it's phenomenal. Uh, yeah. One thing you talked about that we mentioned before we started recording um, is, um, you know, by the time this launches, and I know we talked about 
Brad breaking the fourth wall in terms of not being able to handle timeline correctly when we record versus when we release. But um, <laughs> Modifius has, um, and I'm going to, I don't want to, I don't want to miss, I don't want to misstate the name, um, but in effect, their own little virtual gaming convention. I shouldn't say little, but their own virtual gaming convention, right? Mm -hmm. So you have already, by the time we have released this, had um, during that, had a discussion about the book, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if you haven't, well, I guess if you haven't, then you're out of luck. Do you know if they're planning to release any of those as recordings, or maybe you don't know that yet? For or... for ModCon? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that's, ModCon, that's a, thank that's you. A, that's a great question. I'm not sure. Um, I should probably ask. I, I don't remember. because I, I know we've done, I think Modifius has done two ModCons prior to this year, and I'm mm -hmm. honestly not sure if the recordings are out there somewhere. I'd have to go look at YouTube or, uh, mm -hmm. or Modifius's okay. Twitch channel. I, it's a great idea, though, if, if we haven't. Um, we certainly should, because I, I know a lot of virtual conventions do that, where they record yeah. their panels and then they make the panels available for people who uh, for people who miss it. But yeah, I'll bug the folks tomorrow. Uh, I mean, of That's course, great. it won't matter to your listeners now. <laughs> but uh, I'll, maybe uh, it's a good question. It's a good question, and because uh, I, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a Saturday, right? It's a Saturday afternoon here in the states, anyway, and then okay. it'll, be, mm -hmm. it'll be evening in the UK. But uh, you know, hopefully, we'll hopefully we do record okay. it, and That's then we'll make the recordings available. But I don't know that for sure. I'll just uh, I'll ask the, the powers that be if that's the plan or not, and uh, and we'll go from there. If we, do, Jace, do you have anything else? I want to jump over to discovery quick here. Um, well, I think yeah. we should actually say, is I think we should give Jim a breather, and then pick up next week for part two, uh, where Jim is going to sing for us. <laughs> <laughs> oh. he, he asked you not me he asked you not yeah. me and that's right. probably a good thing uh yeah this is just uh part one part um, one and two yeah when it comes to the jam corner all i'll say is that um after I, we talk about this i can't remember if we talked about it when we recorded or not but i've been reading the material, the STA stuff again is lit. We've talked about yeah. there's there's a couple themes that come up with us now regularly. One is world building, and two is RPG is lit. Um, both of those yeah. have been on my mind because of stuff I've been kind of working on on the side. Um, mm -hmm. I've been going through because not only is it awesome material mm. inside on the pages, they produce. They partner with companies that produce really quality. And this is something you and I talk about a lot. Yeah. Because how, how, how quality is the actual printed paper product, you know, independent of the PDF, which you and I have. That's right. That's right. So that's honestly, that was on my desk before we started doing this recording. Mm -hmm. And as we move from this week to next week with part two, Obviously, I have other stuff. I'm going to wait and we'll talk about that yeah, exactly. after the second half. Yeah, I, uh, I'll i keep mine really brief, too, because what's been very much on my mind uh, for a while now, uh, and, and, and you all and you listeners will know this if you're following us on Twitter. And if you are, thank you. If you're not, please consider it. Um, we, we, we update a lot and we, we, we try to share things that that are relevant and that matter to us or, or that are just fun. But uh, you'll have noticed we have been uh, retweeting a lot on the uh, Artemis One mission. And uh, uh, as of as of this recording, 
just uh, days before the episode goes live, because again, like Brad said, we we've, we've been sitting on these interviews with Jim. Uh, as of this recording, actually, I think just a day ago, uh, NASA announced that they might be able to make a third attempt as early as September 23, which is way sooner than it was looking. Yeah, um, they thought they were looking yeah. at the end of October, if I heard correctly. The last That's time. right. That's right. And, you know, as um, I just keep saying uh, to myself, as much as anything, because uh, I'm all in for Artemis, uh, politics with it aside, uh, pork barreling aside, we need to get back to the moon. And as Matt Kaplan, the host of Planetary Radio, or the Planetary Society, keeps saying, um, space is hard. And we're seeing this with Artemis One. So uh, it hasn't exactly been on my desk, but uh, that's been something very real world uh, that has held my attention hugely uh, in the same way, looking forward into a future that does not yet but needs to exist as the Starfleet source book, as so much of the other things we talk about. So with that, we're going to wrap it up because it's a, a longish episode. Uh, thank you, Jim, for that. And just wait, because in part one, we got warmed up. In part two... Jim Johnson begins to sing for us. No, not really, but he he does everything else. And so thanks as always. Uh, be well, stay well. We will see you for part two of this interview next week. <laughs>